my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Got a Koto, and thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of Code with Kingy. Where once again, I'm going to make a shout out to my sponsors over at Sports Fuel who have you covered if you are in the market for any health supplements. And thankfully, if you do happen to come across anything on their website that you're keen on, um, I've got a weed discount code for you guys to use that's CWK. So, yep, go and check them out sportsfuel.co.nz um, and remember to use my code to save yourself some moolah. We're rolling into the show. Um, I'm very grateful to be sharing a mic with an international referee and Mr. Ben O'Keefe. So, yeah, man, to get the show rolling, thank you very much for your time. How's life and where are you at with the rugby at the moment? Yeah, kia ora, Kingy, and kia ora, everyone. Um, mate, life is good. Um, it's Sunday. I'm I'm still stuck over here in, uh, well, I, sound, I say stuck, but it's not a bad place to be in. It's um, Suva in Fiji. Um, so we're, we're part of the international uh, window at the moment. So... Most of New Zealand listeners would have watched the All Black game last night. Um, normally, when the um, uh, international teams come in and play the All Blacks, we all the referees get shipped out. So, um, I'm in Fiji now. Um, I refereed Fiji versus uh, Tonga yesterday, and um, pretty warm suver. And, and tomorrow, I'm heading off to Argentina. So, um, yeah, pretty whirlwind um, over the next few weeks. But um, awesome to be, you know, doing some international footy, which has um, you know, sort of been off the schedule for the last few years. Yeah, bro, 100. percent And just like the footy players, um, rugby doesn't stop for you guys as referees. Uh, but I want to take it back to about a fortnight ago where you took control of the Super Rugby final, which obviously brought to a close Super Rugby. Because um, there have been some talking points taken away from that season. Um, top of mind for me is all of the cards that were dished out, um, in yeah. particular for the tackle height. So as someone who's been around the game, is closer to the action than what us fans are um, and has a better understanding of the rules and maybe what's going on. Um, behind closed doors what did you make of the season and I'm guessing you're all for protection of the players moving forward oh yeah 100% like um, firstly I really enjoyed the season I thought um, it showed you know the level of, of player that we have in New Zealand you know like the speed that um, the players can play and, and as you said you know I get pretty close to the action by trying to get too close because the guys are running pretty quick but they're also massive as well so in fact they can move their bodies around and you know get off the floor pretty quickly as a credit to, I guess, you know, the competition we have in, in New Zealand and Australia. And I think that was what was exciting is we have, um, you know, we had the New Zealand competition over the last few years and, you know, our boys just batted each other for, you know, a whole season and then mm. the Australian team came in this year. And it actually, like, livened up the competition even more because, you know, they were, they were really competitive, you know, all the way through from, you know, Waratahs, Brumbies, the Reds, um, you know, right, you know, the, the Drua, they came in, they were pretty exciting. And even the Force and the Rebels upset a few teams. So, you know, I really enjoyed that and um, you know, I thought it was a wicked season um, to be a part of. And obviously, yeah, doing that doing that final with the way that the Crusaders sort of, you know, showed their experience um, to, you know, the the minor, the premiers with the Blues. Yeah, it was mint. And look, we uh, yeah, we managed to avoid some cards. And I know that that was pretty controversial all season, um, the amount of cards. And I think, you know, world rugby, everything comes down from world rugby from the top to, to bottom. And a lot of it's around uh, player safety because, you know, as I said, you know, the players are getting bigger, they're getting faster and, you know, you get a shoulder sort of smacking in the head. Um, it reinforces why I like to referee referee rugby rather than play. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's all about player safety and, um, you know, concussion and, you know, long-term brain trauma that can, you know, affect people. So I think we go in the right direction. The problem is, is that, you know, what's happened is, 
you know, we've still got sanctions for a red and a yellow card, um, for instances that, uh, you know, it could be within millimetres, could be a play on, but then, you know, another millimetre a little bit higher just because of the speed that a player has sort of changed direction or fallen or, um, you know, the way they go into contact, we could be looking at a red or yellow card. So I think that's what, that's, that's the thing that we're still trying to work really hard at in terms of um, referees. We're trying to work with players. There's a lot of work with coaches too, which I think is helping out a lot. And then trying to get that explanation and that understanding to the wider public to say that, look, we're not trying to ruin games. We never like to ruin games as referees, um, but we're trying to implement the law to, to protect the players. And, and sometimes that means that, you know, a team has to go down to 14 for 10 minutes or 20 minutes. And, you know, that's, that's sort of where it was this season. And, and I know that, like, I, was, I, was, I mean, I think, you know, this year I probably gave more cards than I've ever given. And if you talk to every referee in Super Rugby, it was the same thing, you know, like normally if you give a red card, you give a red card maybe once every five years. Yeah. But now it's almost, you can't run away from a red card. Mm. <laughs> it's almost like you have a few in your pocket already. So um, it's definitely a change for us. And, you know, we're, we're going through growth spurts with um, trying to get them right. It's not like the, I think the NBA, they have like a summer league where um, all the new laws, they can get trialed and sort of get fine-tuned. Um, basically, our summer league is is from round one to to the to the final. So, um, I think where we went throughout the season, we sort of you know we got some uh, made some good decisions. We made some errors. Um, I was certainly part of some of those as well. But um, I was pretty proud of how, as a team of match officials, we sort of handled that final and we got thrown a few curveballs. And I think we used our experience from the season and understanding to to make some good decisions, which meant that you know the teams could play and the best team could win that final versus. Um, a team that could avoid uh you know a TMO call or a referee red or yellow card. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think like the you could even see in the way that teams played, whilst I mean it's difficult because of like you said, because of how fast these guys are traveling and how big they are, like you you don't want to coach that out of them, right? You know, that's what people come to see. You know, there are modern day gladiators, they want to see the brutality because we as fans were removed from it. So we'd much rather see someone else put themselves in harm's way and do all that spectacular stuff. But then, yeah, it's also about having player safety be paramount. And, yeah, I guess for you guys as referees, unfortunately, you are removed from the commentary, which we get, you know, when you have Justin Marshall, you know, like arguing every call that you've made. Um, it, it, it's not easy for you guys, you know, once the game's over. Um, but, yeah, like you said, I guess it's all learning and experience. And I guess to get back to what I was trying to get to before, I think as the season progressed, I think, you know, like anything, like what was it? There was a couple of years ago where like coming out of COVID, like there was like so many penalties being blown and in terms of the interpretations at the breakdown. And I think like slowly but surely teams actually got used to the way in which you guys are being enforced to enforce the rules from world rugby. So I think this will be no different. But yeah, it is a very fine balance that, you know, you don't want to take that physical element away from rugby, but then you don't want to also have the case where, guys have you know early onset dementia and other you know like cte problems yeah exactly and like you're right like 2020 um there was new sort of laws around the breakdown and it meant that actually um you know, a lot of it was around the the jack clipping out of um show a clear lift and players mm -hmm. staying on their feet and so we went from going from you know like new zealand typically new zealand super rugby games they have only 12 to 15 penalties per match because you know teams are playing they're throwing the ball around the scoring tries and then all of a sudden we went up to 30 penalties a game, you know, so that stop start. Um, so we were, we were going through the process of, you know, delivering the pictures that we were being told that we, you know, had to referee. And then it took a, a, about four or five rounds for the players to sort of adapt to that, um, as well as us get those pictures correct, you know, because we were still um, learning on the go too. 
Um, but then eventually, you know, we got to a point where now we're back to maybe, you know, 15 to 20, which is pretty, pretty standard for a game. Um, but, you know, guys like, um, you know, we've got some good commentators in New Zealand and, and guys like Marshy, he's awesome. And, and you know, like he, he puts his, his passion and his experience on, a, on the line to actually, you know, show the public, okay, what he's seeing. Um, and, you know, you know, he entertains them with that. And I think, you know, as, as referees, like our job's obviously to, um, you know, referee the laws of the game. But we've got to keep an open mind too because we can get into a massive bubble and go down like a, a set of um, tracks that, you know, the public don't understand, players don't understand, um, coaches don't understand. And, you know, that's not the game. You know, we've all got to be able to work together. Um, so I think, you know, the, the more often we can get um, even guys like Marshy um, around the table with coaches and players to talk about the laws, to talk about, you know, what's happening at the tackle, the line out, um, how is the foul play being uh, refereed? You know, there's a lot of stuff that we can we can provide and help them, but there's a lot that we can we you know we, we learn from um, you know people who have skin in the game like um, those stakeholders. So yeah, I think it's going in the right direction. Um, but certainly, you know, like we'll finish a game and there's always some good opinions and some some voices out there. Yeah, and I think that's probably what I don't watch the likes of the breakdown religiously. Um, I I have tuned into the episodes where you've featured, and I think that it is quite cool that you're actually putting yourself out there to where the likes of JK, Marshy, Jeff Wilson can come to you with questions, but it also gives you, and I guess you're almost a representation of referees, a chance to say your piece and be like, hey, well, we can appreciate, you know, everyone's interpretations. You know, this is what's happening on the field and this is why we're refereeing it this way. And I guess, yeah, like uh, you, you've, you've done pretty well with, with keeping up with those guys, given they do all that stuff for a living and you're out there just <laughs> having to be in the middle. Yeah. I'm just like... Um... Like, you know, we, we, I come from a point where I've done many years of trying to understand and like fine tune my skills to try and get that really good balance because I, I want to referee a game really, really well. Mm. So I feel like I can, you know, at that table, I can provide my um, refereeing expertise. And that changes every every single year, you know, like um, they often change the rules on us every year and like we just get good at refereeing um, the rules that were given to us and then every new addition. Um, but that's that's the game, you know, and and I think um, the moment that, you know, if we're not talking or being open with, um, you know, the JKs of the world, the, the Jeff Wilsons, like we don't, we like, we won't learn because, you know, we we learn a lot about the game. So we we know, you know, the law book is you know, thick with all these laws, but unless we understand the game really well, um, we're not going to be able to actually deliver those laws um, and those rules at the appropriate times. The only way we can do that is understand the game better. Now, you know, apart from, guys like Glenn Jackson and um, Jamie Nutbrown and, and even the referee that did the All Black game, um, Carl Dixon, you know, unless you're an ex-player um, or, you know, Nick Berry is currently refereeing as well. It's, re you know, none of us have actually refereed at that level or played, sorry, played at that level um, to understand the game. And also some of those who are now referees, those ex-players, the game's changed since then. So we've always got to be updating ourselves and, and, and being in an open book to um, talking to those people. And I remember when I refereed club rugby down to Dunedin, the best part of um, the feedback was, you know, the beer at the aftermatch because, you know, you talk to the winning coach, you talk to the losing coach and, you know, they give you some insight and some feedback and you take that into your next game. Um, it's the same at this level, you know, so it's just that, um, you know, talking to those people and getting that feedback is so important for the game. But um, you're right, I think, you know, it's, it's important for referees to actually, uh, you know, put their voice out there and show the public around, um, okay, these are the rules or this is why we refereed it that way because the more... I think people, if they get a better understanding, I think the more they enjoy the game and they sort of don't think, oh, we're just blowing the pee out of the whistle the whole time because, you know, we never like to do that, but, you know, we're trying to create guidelines so that um, the spectacles are better for them. Yeah, bro, 100%.
Um, speaking of like, you know, you touched on the fact that you were a club referee at one stage and I guess you would have had to deal with some of the, the feedback from some club level, club level coaches. So where did refereeing start for you, bro? And what made you want to pick up a whistle? Um, yeah, it started for me all the way down south. So I went, I went down to Dunedin and, and went to med school down there. Um, I trialled for varsity. Um, I was a sort of like a big second five centre that had a little bit of gas, but um, you know, not much other skill uh, when I was younger growing up. And, and I sort of like, I was pretty busy studying that year and I didn't really enjoy, enjoy playing. Um, and my old man actually refereed back in Marlborough where I grew up. So he just sort of, you know, um, said that, look, nowadays there's actually a bit of a pathway there. So, um, you know, something you should do in the weekend just to stay involved and, um, you know, have a break, like get outside, you know, because my head, my head was in a book the whole year. Right. Um, so it was good to get some sunlight and get on the field and stay involved in a bit of rugby. So for me, it was solely um, just to keep in the game and something to do in the weekend. Um, and it was quite fortunate because like Dunedin, um, you know, if I started refereeing anywhere else in New Zealand, you know, you go to the big, big centres like Auckland, Wellington, there's quite a big hierarchy there. So there's a lot of referees that have been refereeing there for a few years and, you know, they've done their time and they've worked their way, their way up their grades. In Dunedin, it's like, um, it's like the, you know, because there's a lot of students there, every sort of three or four years, there's a cycle that probably leave Dunedin, you know, they leave the city. Mm -hmm. um, so there was an opportunity there because there was um, a bit of a gap in terms of like their premier panel. So that's sort of the top level club competition. Um, and I got, a, I got a real chance to referee at that level quite early. And because I got to be able to do my experience there quite early, it meant that um, I got on the radar with New Zealand a lot quicker and um, I just got some really good opportunities down there. So it was, um, so I was down there for five years, um, refereed club rugby down there and then did my last year um, of my degree in Wellington and made the tra transition to the Wellington referees. And by then, you know, I was pretty experienced at that premier level. And once you get to that premier level, it's like, um, it's like players. You know, that's when uh, selectors start looking for you um, for South Island squads or North, North Island squads and or Heartland squads. And, um, you know, you sort of go up the ranks like that, just the same as players. Um, so, yeah, it sort of started down there. It was, it was just, you know, by the wayside. It was just something that I enjoyed. And then, you know, the more I had those after matches, the more experiences I had um, in the games with club rugby players and was able to do a few club rugby finals and, you know, referee at Forsyth Bar, which was pretty, pretty, pretty awesome back then. Um, you know, you just fell, fell in love with it and fell in love with the game again. So that was that was sort of how it, how it started and, and I'm still doing it now, which is which is pretty cool. Yeah, Brian, doing a pretty good job with it. Uh, so what, what were you studying alongside? Uh, well, what were you studying first and foremost and then, you know, doing around your refereeing? Uh, so I did medicine. So I'm, I'm a doctor. So I graduated as wow. a medic um, and been working for a few years and, and still work now. I, I focus um, on eyes which is pretty ironic being a referee. Um, so a lot of people, you know, they'll say I'm yeah. blind or I've, I've heard all of those stories <laughs> and, and actually could, you know, see them in my clinic on Tuesday. But um, it's, it's good. Like um, it's, it's something that I've always, like I got, I got to a point where I was, I was still working in the hospital full time mm -hmm. um, and I was, had my first season of Super Rugby. And I got to a point where in your first season, you maybe only do two or three, two or three games in the middle. Um, and you're, you're the assistant referee for, for all the other games, but all within New Zealand. So, you know, I could leave on a Friday, fly to my game Friday night, do the game Saturday, fly back home Sunday, and then back to work Monday to Friday. And I was able to sort of do that. I was young, you know, like, um, you know, I had a bit of energy. But it got to a point where I, was, I started getting more games, and all of a sudden I started doing games in Australia. And then it just got really full on, and um, I started missing flights and, you know, clinics, I was, you know, running them late because I was too busy, like with other rugby things as well. So 
it was perfect though because at that at a, sort of around about that time must have been maybe 2013-14 um, New Zealand rugby had I've sort of gone through that progression like I was talking about before um, New Zealand rugby had a had a contract available and they said look do you want to try it full time and I said look who'd, who'd want to say no um, we'll give it a go we'll see how long it lasts um, it might last one game it might last six months or, or or you know eight or nine years like it has now so um, it's been awesome for me and, and something that um, I still work in the hospital uh, once or twice a week just to get away from rugby and um, keep things ticking along um, just in case that that one game comes along and they don't want you back. True. Okay, so you become a pro ref in 2013 and then I guess you're doing that doctor stuff on the side. Was it hard to walk away from, you know, medicine? Because, you know, that that's a big investment, you know, what that's five years studying. And then I guess like you refereeing is one of those things where, similar to players while you guys might be able to stretch your career out a bit further in age, but you know, you know, there's really a, a finite window to be able to capitalize on stuff like that. Cause I mean, I'm not sure what you've got going on in your own personal life with family and, and being away, you know, like you said, traveling at the moment. So all these other factors come into play, the older you get, but yeah, like at that time, like were you comfortable with having stepped away from something that you've invested so much time in? Yeah, like, I mean, I think my mindset around it was that I was never really, I haven't really fully stepped away. You know, it's just something that I've, um, I, I tried to have a focus of making sure that um, I was being smart and keeping it going on in the background. So, um, you know, when I was on long haul flights, I was trying to do some study. Um, I was doing some research to continue to, you know, build up that CV and make the make the use of the time that potentially I had um, while I was referring. And, and that mindset allowed me to sort of keep refereeing as a passion because I always thought, okay, look, I'm, I'm, I'm a doctor, I'm going to be a medic. Um, when I finish refereeing one day, uh, whether it's my choice or someone else's choice, um, I want to go back and do that. So that, that mindset, I reckon, has helped me versus, you know, let's say that it was my, my be all and end all was refereeing. Mm -hmm. um, I reckon I'd, I'd get pretty, you know, stuck in the, in the reviews um, and the negative feedback, the criticism because I've been able to keep it as a passion, um, I've been able to, I reckon I've been able to enjoy it more, um, go out there and, and love running around with the whistle. And then by having that break on the Tuesday, Wednesday, no matter what happened on the Saturday, it actually refreshes me and gets me ready for the next game. So I've sort of carved out a, a quite a good niche that allows me to, I guess, referee at the best that I can, I can be, um, but just by, just by having that balance. So I think hopefully, yeah, one day, um, you know, by, by doing what I'm doing, by keeping things ticking over, um, you know, if I decide to go back, uh, yeah, I'll be be able to do it quite quite easily. And so, I, I guess with you staying on top of it, you know, a couple of times a week, I don't know, is it one of those things where um, you can just revisit it? It's almost like riding a bike in terms of like the the the, the, the information that you retain to help out with your clients. Or did you mean nah, did you any trouble with that? No? You definitely get a bit dusty, eh? Like, um, I remember like uh, sort of around the World Cup, or you know, I had probably a three month stint away. Um, so it's fine when you're doing it once a week, um, but I'm certainly not, you know, as sharp as, you know, the guys that are doing it, um, you know, full, full time. So, you know, my colleagues, you know, I'm still asking them questions, um, you know, quite a bit during the day. So I'll be a little bit slower. Um, but yeah, I certainly remember, um, you know, around the World Cup had about, you know, four months where, because I forgot the flexibility, you know, the hospital's um, really great, really helpful like that. Um, came back after about four months and I was looking at the slit lamp, the microscope that I was that I used. And I was like, this is pretty foreign, you know, like, and we had a patient that came in that had like a real simple, just, um, you know, corneal abrasion. And, um, you know, that's like bread and butter. That should be two minutes in and out. And, you know, I've just got a little um, uh, bit of damage to the front of their eye. Um, that consult, you know, probably took me triple the time that it normally would. So, yeah, it's like it's like anything, you know, if you if you head away for a little bit and you come back, it takes a, a bit of time to get back on the horse. And 
but then after that, you know, you do that so many times, you you get into routines and and you do you do retain a little bit quicker. So um, it does take a bit of time. It's a bit like refereeing, you know, like we have a summer break. And the thing is with um, uh, Southern Hemisphere referees, often you know we'll we'll have a break over December, and then if we're refereeing internationals, so Six Nations, which start in uh, end of January, February. Um, if we're if we're appointed to round one or round two, now the whole, whole of the Northern Hemisphere they they have rugby over November, December, January. Mm. Um, so those referees, you know, they're going to their round one and two Six Nations, um, mate. They are, you know they they're on they're they're in the game. You know they've been refereeing for six weeks straight. Now, we've been sitting on a beach or somewhere in New Zealand for six weeks and you know trying to train and you know telling our trainer we've been doing a lot of work, but you know, it's hard when it's the, <laughs> you know the sun's out. Um, so we'll go straight into a game and, you know, you do get, you know, it takes a, a few few tackles, a few rucks to actually get those cobwebs away. So, you know, often we'll try and you know, get into a team beforehand or, you know, maybe referee like a, a first 15 game that week, you know, where, where we are. I remember um, once I was in, in Dublin with uh, Glenn Jackson and we were refereeing um, Ireland versus Wales on the Saturday and on the Wednesday night, we um, he refereed and I ran touch for an under 15 game, you know, like, the Six Nations referees were running this under-15 game. <laughs> it, was just, it was just so that we could, you know, get some pictures going through our head, and, you know, get those, yeah, get rid of those cobwebs. So, um, yeah, it does take a bit of time, but certainly it's good to be able to have that balance and, you know, be able to go through those through those motions and, and you get back into it pretty quick. Yeah, that must have been unreal. I'm, I'm not sure, like, how familiar um, 15-year-olds in Ireland are with, with referees, but I, for one, yeah, really did appreciate the times when I was playing club rugby and we had some of the, the big dogs roll down. Cause, yeah, no, no, I mean, none yeah. of them knew us. They were still pretty cheeky. <laughs> um, so I had, to, I had to shush a few parents on the sideline still and I reckon their jaws would have dropped on the Saturday when they would have seen us running out too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can only imagine, bro. Um, but this is a little side note for me, you know, an ophthalmologist. Like, what, did, what does that look like day in and day out? And I'm guessing that's all vision and, like, do you get like all sorts? Do you get like the, the minor ones to the more, I guess, more small gruesome incidents or yeah, um, events? Yeah, yeah. yeah, we um, so I basically work in the emergency eye department. Um, so we have we had our eye department in Wellington, and this is how it sort of works out without uh, throughout all New Zealand. And and sort of the eye eyes um, quite good because we've got a lot of gatekeepers, and and by that I mean like people that will see um, patients before they actually come and see us. So if you think of optometrists, you know, every, every town's got an optometrist, you've got, you know, GPs, um, and even just the actual emergency department in the hospital. So, you know, patient, you know, people wake up in the morning um, or be walking throughout the day and then all of a sudden realise that they've lost their vision in one eye. Um, it's gone completely dark or um, they're starting to see flashing lights or they're really sensitive to light or all of a sudden they look in the mirror, it's, it's really red. Or, you know, they walk into... Um, the corner of a desk and you know they'll they'll fracture their eye socket or um you know fireworks you know like they'll get a firework um, shot in their eye so all these different things can happen and they'll they'll either come straight into the hospital to the emergency department they'll see their optometrist if they've lost their vision um or their gp and so we'll get a phone call from from that person or that person will come just straight in and then they'll come up to the emergency eye clinic and that's when we just see that we see that patient so we've got all the tools to um, firstly, check their vision, check things in their eye, like um, the pressure in their eye, so how much pressure is in their eye, if it's high, if it's low. Uh, and then we use a special microscope and um, special drops to assess the front of their eye. Is there any damage to the front of their eye? Is there a, a laceration or a cut in their eye? Is the contents from their eye coming out of their eye? You know, like, sorry for the listeners if that's pretty gross, but, um, you know, all the way to the middle of their eye and the back of their eye to see if they're, they're retina, which is, um, I guess, the cells that help you see. 
um, you know, that can actually fall away due to a, a tear or damage at the back of your eye. Um, so we can see all those things through um, using some uh, lenses and, and a slit lamp and whatever we find, we'll, we'll fix either through, you know, reassurance if things are okay, um, drops, so antibiotics or steroids. Sometimes we have to give injections into the eye. Um, and other times we have to do laser um, to the eye. So not just like the laser to be able to help you see again, but actual using a laser that, you know, shoots little uh, spots into the back of the eye to help, you know, go around any holes or any tears, so it actually doesn't get worse to, yeah. you know, calling the boss up and, um, you know, saying that we need to take this person, person to theater, you know, and they need an operation to remove a cataract or to, um, you know, put their retina back in place or to remove the vitreous, the jelly in their eye. So there's all these sorts of things that can happen. Um, the eye is pretty amazing and uh, it, it keeps me pretty much on my toes and, and, and I enjoy it because, you know, people take their vision for granted until they lose it. And um, I get real satisfaction out of, you know, seeing someone on, on my, on my clinic and, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, do the best for them that I can. I'll, I'll diagnose what's going on and then um, give them the treatment, whether it's through medication or surgery. And um, hopefully, you know, I'll see them back on, you know, the week after and, you know, their vision's better and, you know, they're not so sensitive to light or they can see again. And, and it's just, mate, it's just, it feels awesome. So um, yeah, so it's a bit of everything really. Um, it's amazing, you know, such a small thing like your eye, the books mm. that I got to read, you know, would fill the back of this room. So, <laughs> Yeah, bro, that sounds hectic and fingers crossed um, I'm not turning up in your office anytime soon. But I don't know, that just yeah. gets me thinking like, you know, I mean like doctors, right? They, they deal with people's health. And I guess with something like sight, which can be, which is so, I mean like any sort of, um, ability you know whether it be mobility or i don't know i mean i'm not a scientist i'm, I'm probably gonna lose mess up my words here but you know when you think about sight like it's a very important thing to have you know and i'm guessing you're having to make or help people in a way you know where there is an element of pressure right because you're dealing with people's sight like if you get something wrong or if you misdiagnose there is the potential for things to go wrong so that that must exactly. be a pressure in itself and then when i think about refereeing and all the pressure that comes with that with the flack that you got from the sidelines, the fact that you play, you can play a part in a result. Like wh which one do you feel more pressure in, you know, because you are bounce, still bouncing between the two and has being a doctor in a way actually helped put into perspective the, the pressures that come with rugby? Yeah, 100%. I think you nailed on the head right there. Um, I think like the, the, the pressure in, in, in each environment. So I think in anyone's job or, you know, in my case in medicine, um, and rugby is 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 different, but it, it's the same in a lot of ways as well. Um, I think you know, like the pressures that we get in rugby um, to make the right decision, to not have an impact negatively on the game, uh, then the media pressures after and the social media pressures after are all things that are you know quite personal and you know are quite hard to deal with. So you know, over time, that's why guys like Wayne Barnes, Yako Piper, you know, they're, they're excellent referees because through experience, you know, they've been able to learn and mm. and go through that. Same thing with in, in medicine and, and like anyone's job, you know, you make decisions that are going to have an impact on someone's life, um, whether you work at a bank, whether you work um, at the supermarket, um, you know, so they're, they're all things that, you know, you do have to make decisions um, and be accurate with those decisions. And um, that's why I think, you know, refereeing in my medicine is really complemented them, themselves um, with not just like, I guess, communication and, and um, you know, player management or, pe or people management, you know, that's always been something that I think uh, has really, really helped me um, from my medicine when I use it on the field. Um, but certainly the pressure thing, because when you're refereeing game of rugby, now, whether it was at Eden Park for the, um, the final, the refereed, or, or yesterday in Suva, or, you know, my next game, which can be in Argentina, um, there's huge pressure involved um, in the build-up. Um, you get nervous, you're excited, there's huge pressure in the game. Um, you don't know what's going to happen. You've got to react. 
Um, there's, you know, slow motion replays now. Um, there's a TMO. So, you know, there's, there's all that type of game pressure, but we only get to practice that in the 80 minutes unless we find something during the week to do to, to help us with that pressure. So there's a, there's a real big push with referees around the world right now is to actually find, um, you know, what can you do to be able to practice during the week? Um, not everyone can actually practice like teams do where they've got, you know, 15 on 15 or, you know, they can actually run through the line at some malls. As referees, you know, a lot of it relies on looking at clips. A lot of us do go down to uh, club teams or super rugby teams um, to sort of get that experiential practice. But practicing under pressure, you know, making a decision mm. in the 75th minute is quite hard to, to reinvent unless you're doing it. So for me, I'm quite lucky that that pressure that I get when someone comes in um, with a visual issue that I've got to sort out, you know, I've got to be accurate. Um, I've got to make a quick decision sometimes. And, um, you know, I've got to use my experience. That might not always be right. You know, you've got to be, be comfortable with that. That really helps me in the game. So that type of experience, I think, um, helps me when whenever my bosses say, "Okay, what are you doing during the week that's going to help you in the eighty minutes?" I say, "Look, I've got a, I had a, I had a whole day clinic and had to deal with some pretty, pretty crazy things. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty good for Saturday." Um, and I think you know, like I remember, it might have been Willie Lowe say or one commentator, like right when I started, I was refereeing Auckland versus um, Bay Plenty, and they made a comment around, you know, I wonder what 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 um, Ben's feeling because um, they they worked out what I did. You know, more pressure setting up this line out or actually more pressure in his job. And, you know, that week I'd just been in the emergency department. I was doing ED and, you know, we had to do CPR on a, on a, on a patient and, you know, a tree had fallen on him and, and uh, you know, it was pretty, pretty difficult. And, you know, when you compare it like that, like, yeah, setting mm -hmm. a line up, pretty, pretty simple. But they're, they're different pressures, um, they're different pressures that, you know, you try and you try and learn from each experience that will make you better in, in each environment. And even a lot of stuff that I've learned in refereeing, um, I can transfer into the clinics as well. So it's um they, they complement pretty well. Yeah. Well, great self-awareness, bro. And yeah, I guess like, I guess when you're dealing with people's lives and people's health, it, it really does put into perspective that rugby is just a game. And while, you know, there's a lot of buy-in to it, at the end of the day, it, it, it really is just a game, bro. Um, But just to touch on one of the, the, the points that you made, like you made the reference to making a call in the 75th minute and so I guess like, you know, going back to your, to your refereeing career, is it hard like when you're in those real pressure moments to, you know, just shut everything out? I know that you've got your, your refereeing team around you, but um, I don't know, like the, the example that I just think of is like, if I go back to the 2017 Lions series, right? Third test. I can't remember, was it Romain Poyer, the, the referee, right? Uh, Romain, yep. 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 So, you know, we, you probably know the call I'm, I'm, I'm talking about with was the accident yeah, offside. <laughs> you know, it's a penalty, right? And I think for a lot of people, and correct me if I'm wrong, it looked like he was a, a victim of the moment where I think he understood the magnitude of the call he was going to make and that it was pretty much going to dictate a series. And then, of course, it wasn't a penalty to the All Blacks, originally it was, but then it becomes a scrum. So, I guess for you, like speaking of pressure and refereeing, like, yeah, how hard is it to actually like exclude everything? Because, you know, you know the call that you have to make, but then, like you said, you don't want to have a negative effect on the game or have, have a negative influence. So, yeah, again, yeah, as someone yeah. who's, who's man in the middle, how difficult is that? Look, I think it's it's always like post the game, it becomes difficult. And I know Roman plays like one of my best mates, like such an experienced referee. And like he he was fuming that he let a situation like that happen, you know, regardless of what decision he made, whether it was a scrum or a penalty, you know, because he doesn't like every referee in the world, whether you're doing internationals down the club rugby, you never want to 
um, impact a game, um, you know, that, that might deny a team from winning. Um, but like, honestly, in, in those moments, you know, you get you get so in the zone that, you know, I've refereed at massive stadiums and you just don't hear the crowd because you just, you're in the moment, you're reacting, you know, the game's so quick, you're going from tackle to ruck to line out to more, is that a knock on, is it not? Hmm. Um, relying on the assistant referees, are they making a call, is the TMO going to come in for a check? You know, so all this stuff's happening for 80 minutes. So, you know, after the 80 minutes, you sort of sit down like, you know, you're always pretty stuffed. So, so the, the difficult thing is then when you do a review and then, you know, the review comes out where you, you made an error. But in the time, like I don't, I think every probably, you know, test match referee, once they start getting a few tier one tests under their belt, that means, you know, they're, they're a pretty good referee, they're pretty good in those um, high impact moments or those last plays of the game. Often you're not thinking, you know, what's the score, um, how much time's left. You're just really just trying to, I've got to, if I don't stay in this moment, this is where I'm going to slip up. So this is why referees, you know, they might have a key word being like, okay, end game or last five minutes. Um, and it's just like focus. You know, they'll have something that will will make them try and switch on to, to, to make the right decision, whether that's by blowing your whistle or not blowing your whistle, you know, by, by not making a decision that can actually affect the game. Um, by making the wrong decision can affect the game as well. So you're always trying to just do um, what's right for the game and make that right decision. So so people can actually walk away and go, yep, um, you know, the All Blacks won that game fairly or yep, the Lions, um, you know, won that game fairly as well. And that 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 happens. And, and I've had a lot of um, tight games. Um, you know, my first, very first test match was Samoa, Georgia. That was a 21 all draw. So, you know, you're working hard for the 80 minutes because um, no one likes a draw, but you also don't want to um, give an incorrect penalty where a team team wins when, when they shouldn't have. Um, my first tier one test match was um, Argentina versus Scotland. Um, and uh, I gave uh, Scotland a penalty um, and they won the game at the, you know, in the last play because Argentina, um, you know, um, uh, made a high tackle. And in those moments, like I was, I was really happy with those decisions, but it just shows, you know, you just got to be switched on the whole time because um, the moment you slip, then that's when you get really disappointed in yourself. So, um, and I think that's, that's part of why um, when we refereed, I got to referee the All Blacks a few years ago because of COVID. So they had this situation where they couldn't get any neutral referees in because no one could travel. So they got mm. New Zealand Australian referees to referee the All Blacks versus Australia um, in the, in the Bledisloe, um and I think, yeah, the rugby championship or, or mainly the Bledisloe. And um, what that showed is that, you know, regardless of being a New Zealander, the game's so fast and you're in the moment so much that you're not, you know, you're not aware of, okay, am I penalising Artie Savir or am I penalising Michael Hooper? You're basically just going, okay, there's a jacker on the ball. Yep, he's lifted, good, holding on, penalty, bang. Um, and then, you know, you, you get through a game and, you know, there's a, there's a winner and a loser. So, um, I think the game is so fast right now that I, I think the pressures that you feel, yes, they're there before the game, but most referees, as soon as they've heard the anthems, as soon as they blow the whistle, they just lock into that roller coaster and 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 do their best job. Interesting, yeah. You know, because th- this is stuff that I, you know, me as a fan just would not be aware of. You know, I'm just critical of the decision. You know, like I've got <laughs> the commentators, I've got my boys around me being like, what the hell? Whereas, like you said, in the moment, like, we have no idea what it's like. And that's part of the reason why I've got you on, man. Like, I want to know what's going on for you guys in that moment because while you guys aren't the, the main attraction, you know, that the players and the teams are, you know, like you are, you are just as important because just like I said to my boys on a Saturday, as, as much as we um, may not agree with the referee's calls at times, uh, we don't have a game without you guys. So, yeah, and I think we, we also have to be appreciative of, of the pressures that are on you guys at the same time. And, 
one of the other things I'm I'm interested with, and I think that you do a really good job of, is that you know when you're dealing with professional sport and you're dealing with the best of the best athletes, a big part of the game is emotion, right? You know, like that's part of the reason why we buy into these games. You want to see these guys, you know, banging on their chest when they're scoring their tries and putting in these big hits, you know, you know putting their bodies on the line. Um, and so you might make a call and a player might not agree with it. And he might react a way where if he had it another time back, he wouldn't have talked to you the way that he did the first time. How do you deal with that as well? Because obviously you're understanding that, you know, like it's a heat of the moment thing. Um, but then also you have to draw the line to where it's like, okay, I'm the referee and I'm not going to let you disrespect me like that. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. I've just noticed with you, like you, 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 you tend, not, I wouldn't call it banter, but the way that you react with the players is, is unlike some other refs who seem to be quite headmaster-like, you know, it's like, you know, like they'll make their call and they won't even have any interaction. Whereas it seems like you make more of an effort to actually get across to the players, like why you've made a call and why you're going to stand by it. Yeah, I think um, it's, uh, you know, a few players sort of come to mind, but uh, like I, I really love the game of rugby. And I think, you know, when I'm at my best, when I'm refereeing well, when I'm making the right decisions is when I'm myself. If I, if I'm trying to be, um, you know, I remember early in my career, I was trying to be like a, a Craig Jubeer, you know, who I thought was a really good referee or a Wayne Barnes, who, who still is a, an excellent referee. If I try and be someone else, then firstly, A, you're not going to nail it because you, know, you can't be someone else. And the second thing is you're going to lose actually the, the strengths that a Craig Jubeer will never, won't have that I, that I do, you know, like the, 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 the skills that make, you know, Keith a good referee, um, which I think is like things like my communication and, um, you know, the way that I deal with players. So, you know, I always try and, uh, treat the players how I want to be treated so I, I give them the absolute time of day the respect because what I, my job is actually to you know let the players and especially the captains understand you know what I'm seeing so that they can tell the players so there can be behavior change and then if they get that change then it means that the game's going to be a bit be better it's not about me trying to catch them offside all the time or try and catch them um, doing something wrong at a tackle um, so often you know I'll try and um, you know I'll try and impart that you know uh, communication to them and, and, and often, like, I, I mean, I do get in a little bit of trouble because I'm quite open to players. Um, often it will, will mean that there's a bit of a flood in terms of, um, you know, they feel like, oh, cool, we can chat to Ben now. So um, let's, you know, keep chatting back. And, and I've got to work on a skill of actually knowing when, when there's too much, you know, and actually saying, okay, look, this is, you know, we've got a penalty here. I'll talk to you in the next stoppage. Um, or actually, you know, there's, that's enough now. Too many players are talking to me. You know, I'll just go through you, you know, the captain. So, you know, but, but I, I see the benefits of actually opening those communication channels for the game and, and for my style is, is, is something that is, is a lot better for me and, and the way that I want to see the game, the game being played. Where, yeah, like I think, you know, some referees are very good at that sort of headmaster um, uh, way that they do it. And, and I just realize it's just not me. So if I tried to be the, the headmaster referee, I just, I think I'd, you know, I'd think pretty low of me pretty quickly. So, yeah, I think it's just important, like anything, you know, if, if you try and be yourself, then that's it. And, and as long as there's respect there, you know, and, and, and typically, I think professional rugby players, obviously, you know, if we're comparing to football, it's, it's um, leagues apart, but, you know, professional rugby players are, are, are pretty good, you know. Um, generally, they know, you know, when, you know, they've gone too far because it's their job to actually, you know, as captains, as halfbacks, as flankers, to push the limits either with, you know, what they're saying to you or, you know, what they're doing at the ruck. Um, so as long as you can give a clear message to them at the right time, um, you don't catch them by surprise, then I think, um, you know, players are pretty understandable. So for me, it's, look, as long as, as long as there's that respect, like I'd never swear at a player, so I'd never expect a, a player to swear at me. Um, and if they did, you know, I'd come down pretty hard on them. But 
mate, we're pretty we're pretty lucky in New Zealand. I think globally, you know, players are are pretty respectful. You know, we saw um you know Peter Amani last night pretty passionate, you know, around um you know some decisions in the game, but that passion never led to you know anything over the top. You know, we're still pretty respectful to the referee, and that's what I think you know really good captains around the world a lot. I like how specific you were with the groupings, halfback and flankers. Yeah, I can I can definitely see those guys having the most. Well, actually, actually, it's actually first fives now as well. Like it just seems <laughs> to change. <laughs> International first fives. Hmm. All right, that's something I'll keep an eye out for. Um, and I, I also wanted to pay attention to the old adage. You know, doesn't matter what rugby grade you play in. You know, like my coach has always hammered home to me. You know, like don't talk back to the referee because it's the team that gets in the bad books with the referee. You know, when it comes to the contentious calls, it's usually going to go your way. You're usually going to get the rub of the green. So I asked you the question in this way. If you have a guy who's just hammering you, you know, he's just in your ear, been complaining, 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 how hard is it that when it comes to a call when he's over the ball and it's 50-50, that it's just like, I'm, I'm... you're more likely going to go the other way because he's just been giving you an effort. I'm not saying that's what you do, but like I feel like that's yeah. the case with a lot of the referees at the club level, at least. But yeah, again, as a referee, when you're dealing with emotions and dealing with that sort of stuff in the game, I mean, you're only human, bro. So, yeah. you know, what are your tips and little tricks to, I guess, remove that factor so that way you're just refereeing as a neutral? Yeah, look, I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe subconsciously, maybe there's a psychologist out there that, you know, has done some studies on this, but I truly believe that, you know, like 50-50s and all that, like, I, I mean, I don't really believe in 50-50s because a referee just ref, just sees what's in front of them and makes a decision. And and sort of like the example I gave with the All Blacks is, you know, you're so, you're so honed into your, you know, the way that I process the tackle, that I'm just, I'm refereeing a tackle. And mm. it's, you know, a red team versus a white team. And, um, you know, whether they've had a go at you or not, you're actually just refereeing a body shape, you know, a person over the ball and whether they get it or not. And that's what, you know, because there are a lot of like 50-50 decisions. So I can, I guess, you know, if you're a coach or you're a, a supporter or you're a fan, you can actually probably interpret as, um, as them going against you because of a reason. But I don't, I don't reckon any referee ever does that. Um, the only times that I think a referee will ever go hard against someone that's um, given them, you know, too much lip is actually a personal penalty against them being like, mate, okay, I'm going to march you 10 now because, you know, that's too much. Um, you know, they actually make a deal of that person. So, you know, if, if a halfback had a go at me and they, you know, I warned them and then they had another go at me, bang, I'll just go penalty. And I, and I did that this year um, uh, with a few players. So that's when, because you're dealing with that person, that's when actually that moment, you know, you can get a bit in the red as a referee and, you know, you can actually, um, you know, you end up penalising that player. But I think, you know, if I saw that same player go in and they weren't quick enough to roll from the, from the tackle, um, I'd still be looking at it, interpreting, okay, he's fallen on the wrong side of the ruck. Has he slowed down the ball for the halfback that's arriving? If the answer is yes, bang, I'm playing advantage. If it's not, then I'm not going to play it. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not penalising him and I'm not penalising just because he had a go at me before. Um, because when you review, we don't review based on, you know, we'll, we'll look at a clip and I'm, review, I'm reviewing the decision based on, okay, should that player have been penalised for not rolling? Not, okay, should I penalise that player because <laughs> I can finally get him, you know? So I reckon, yeah, I reckon the answer to that is um, is, is probably that, you know, all, through all the grades. Mm. Um, even though we like to, even though we want to, you know, maybe um, draw a line in the sand with players, we I think we still try and find the right, right time to do it. Yeah, nice. Another thing that I guess you guys, and you touched on it earlier, is that you don't want to have 
too much of an influence on the game, right? Like, I guess, like, an ideal game of refereeing for you is where you don't have to blow the whistle at all. I mean, that's not going to happen, but, you know, like you said, you're a fan of rugby, you know. You don't want to get in the way of a good contest. But, like you said, when you have these different laws that come in every year, um, and mind you, when you get to the test rugby, you know, the biggest spectacles, you know, hopefully over that domestic period, you've nailed it, and then the players have nailed it as well. But how do you balance referring to the letter of the law but actually having an open and free-flowing game to where you're not blowing your whistle every five minutes because there are some games where referees seem to be blowing up everything and then you know after the game and even for the players it's frustrating because you feel like the referee's not allowing the game to get into a groove but at the same time you know like you've got to be consistent with your calls across the game so again I put it to you like how how do you balance that just um I think it's like it's a lot of time a lot of experience um a lot of asking questions a lot of mistakes, you know, a lot of working on errors um, and just, you know, discussing it with, with coaches and players, like understanding, okay, what are they trying to achieve in that moment? So was that penalty relevant? Because, you know, the law book, we could, we could penalise every single, there's 150 tackles in a game, probably more. We could do 150 penalties in a game, like, because a player always goes off their feet, you know, a player um, always, you know, is a bit slow to release. Um, they might come marginally, you know, through the side, you know, not through the gate. So we, we're constantly having to work on, okay, what is relevant for this game? So, you know, for for example, like kind of what I explained before, if, if I see a play that falls on the on the wrong side of the tackle, well, that's a penalty. But the way that I've boxed it into a, a philosophy is that, okay, if that player falls on the wrong side of the tackle and slows down the delivery by the attacking halfback, then that's a penalty. So then all of a sudden I go from not penalising that tackler 20 times to only penalising him maybe five times when he actually does have an impact. And that's only that's that's built on many years of of you know coming through the grades, and you only get through the grades by having a, a an initial understanding, which I don't think, you know, it never comes naturally because every level that you get to, it's expected to be refereed a little bit differently, you know. So international rugby is a little bit different to Super Rugby, which is a little bit different to Mitre Ten and and Club Rugby. So you're actually adapting um, as you go higher up the grades as well, and so then over time you start building your you know refereeing DNA or your IQ. So that, you know, potentially, um, you know, I sort of know my style of refereeing and it's not too far away from the, the group. Um, you know, it's not too different to what Wayne Barnes does and what Yako Piper does and, you know, Matthew right now. But it's definitely, you know, my, my style because I know that, okay, that's how I can best referee a game and that's how I believe the game should be refereed. Um, but it's all, it's all boxed in with, you know, what they want us to do at World Rugby and Super Rugby. So there are, you know, there are some marginal differences which, which our bosses tell us to do. And, you know, that's something that we have to adapt and change in our game. But I've learned over time that, you know, every World Rugby or Super Rugby meeting that we have, which, you know, we have one every three months um, where everyone gets together. If I tried to change 100% to everything that was said, you, you've got to actually, you know, sit back and actually look and interpret, okay, what was said in this meeting? And what are the important things that I need to take that is important for the game that our bosses are telling us to do and how do I put that into to my style? You know, how do I align that with with how I'm doing it? Because if you try and change the wheel every time, um, mm. you'll never be a, a top consistent referee. You'll never be able to keep improving. You actually probably go downhill because you're trying to start again every single three months. Um, so that's the, you know that's probably the biggest thing is um, you know if if you can if you can find that balance of you know what your bosses are trying to um, tell you and achieve, and that balance with what the teams and the coaches are trying to achieve. And that's your job done, you know, like you're getting that balance and you're providing that, that guideline for the players. And and then when they are penalised, you can actually say, well, look, yeah, you guys deserve to be penalised 10 times today because you were, you were offside, you're off your feet at the ruck and 
um, you angle at the scrum. Or, you know, today, guys, you were penalised 20 times because, um, you know, interfering at the line out, you got your obstructors in front of the jumper and all these things. So when you can do that and when you can explain it well, then I think, you know, that's the important thing for the game. And then they'll go away and they'll improve on that. And then the next week, they'll come back better. Um, as a referee, when we get things wrong, we'll come back better as well. Um, and then hopefully we do get that flowing game because, you know, if you can get a team that no matter what they want to do, if they want to score tries or they want to kick points, if we can allow them to do that within the laws of the game, then that's what we want to do. You know, we also want to be able to provide those um, those guidelines for them. I guess it's something that I've actually found myself doing quite a bit is that when there have been games where there have been a high amount of penalties awarded both ways, is to actually take a step back and it's like, yep, we can be critical of the referee, but have we actually gone in and looked at all of those penalties and seen whether or not they were worthy? Because you, again, you can only call what's in front of you, right? Like if a team's making infringements, that's your job. You're meant to blow them up for it. Um, but unfortunately, like you said, after the game, fans aren't as open-minded or don't have that um, that desire to go back and check things. They just look at um, the box score after the game, bro. Yeah, like, and nor like would I expect them to be, you know, like, because that's rugby, that's passion. You know, like I want them to be talking about the game, talking about the winning try that Bowden Barrett did or, you know, talking about that, you know, oh, was that the correct penalty that Ben O'Keefe gave, you know, like, you know, man, he was right, man, he was wrong. Um, you know, so all, all those things. And, you know, like most referees, you know, we, we're pretty accurate. You know, we, we definitely don't get every single decision right. You know, we would run between, you know, 80 to 90% per game just with, with the way it goes. Um, and that's, that's pretty decent at, at every level. But, you know, it's, the problem is, is, okay, we might make, a, we might make an error. Uh, we might miss a knock on, okay, and then maybe that's inconsequential. Um, but we may miss, um, you know, hand at the bottom of the ruck. And, you know, it's a big decision. And then, you know, the ball gets um, turned over and then they go at the other end and score. So even though we might be at, you know, 80 to 90 to 95% accuracy, we might get that one decision wrong um, that leads to the winning or losing of the game. So, you know, that's the important thing for us is, you know, we're always trying to be better so that, you know, the less obviously talked about the referee is the better. You know, that's obviously the goal. Um, but, you know, there are going to be times where, you know, we don't get it balanced right and we, we don't get that consistency for the whole 80 minutes right either. And that's that's always the, I guess, the it's the unicorn, you know, that's what we're, we're chasing, um, you know, trying to do that, that, that perfect game, whether it be Super Rugby, International, World Cup, um, even club rugby. Mm-hmm. That's on the on the on the point of like making potentially an incorrect call and have and it being inconsequential, you know, depending on what time it happened in the game. But have there ever been moments for you, and I'm I'm not sure if you're much of a perfectionist, where you've made a call and you've sort of realized afterwards that maybe you didn't get the call correct, and then it's bothered you. You know, because I think of it like a player, right? Like when you make a mistake, ideally you'd be like a goldfish, you know, short-term memory. But you, you find that a lot of guys, you know, when they have a couple of mistakes, that's when everything starts to go downhill. And like you said, referees are only human. They're like players. They may not get it correct every time. But is that something that you have to keep in mind with you? It's like, yep, even though like if I could have that call back, I maybe would have interpreted it differently. But, you know, I just have to get on with the game and have it not be an influence of, you know how I'm going to referee for the rest of it because, like again, I'm I'm only dealing with dealing with club level referees here um, as my re- point of references. But you see sometimes in games where referees might get a couple of calls wrong in, in a certain area, and then they have to keep up with it for consistency's sake for the rest of the game. So yeah, yeah again, I mean, how, how do you deal the, with it's, that? It's the hardest skill 
to be able to realize that you've made an incorrect decision. And, and we're quite, you know, we're quite good at that because, you know, I'll, I'll purposely set up, um, I'll, I break the game into quarters in my head and with my team around, you know, okay, how, how was the first 15 minutes? Okay, um, how's the game set up next 15 minutes? Okay, how's the game? Are we in control? Second half, next 15 minutes, how's the game changing? And then the last 15 minutes, how's this game ending? And in that time, I'll, I'll think of my penalty count. I'll think of, um, you know, how set pieces, how spaces, how the tackle is. Um, and, and so I'm trying to keep, you know, consistent, but also in control of, of what's going on. And mate, there are definitely times where, you know, you want to, you know, referees talk about your first five decisions. You want your first five decisions in the game to be correct, not just for the game, but also for the credibility um, that the players are going to hold towards you. And there have been times when like my first decision has been wrong. My second decision has been wrong. And that's, that's something where, you know, you, you've got to, as a referee, find a way to get, be accurate again. And the way that I've, I've sort of figured it out is that, look, I mean, and this is what all referees are like, you, you can't do anything about the decisions that you've just made, okay? And also, you haven't actually properly sat down to review it. Now, sometimes you know when you've got a decision wrong and you're going to say, cool, okay, I got that wrong. But there are other times where, when there's doubt in your mind. Well, if, that, if, you, if you keep that doubt in your mind, mm. um, that's going to affect your next decision and your next decision. And then, you know, you could have reviewed that game and then that decision that you had doubt in your mind on, you could be 100% correct. But because you let that doubt creep in your mind and it affects your third decision, your fourth decision, well, all of a sudden you've gone from actually being correct for your first and your second, but then it's affected the next decisions, which have all been wrong. So it's snowballed. So as a, as a referee, you've got to get really good at just being like, okay, I, I have a mantra. It's, it's, I just say trust and enjoy, and I've got it written on my whistle. So it's obviously just enjoy the game, but just trust that, you know, pretty much you, you'll, be, you'll be right most of the time. And I found that, you know, most of the time when um, I've had that doubt or I thought I was wrong, I've gone to review the game and been like, no, your, your instincts were correct. You know, your years of experience were correct. You made the right decision. Um, and very rarely, you know, you'll, you'll have got it wrong. And then on the review, if you've got it wrong, okay, you work at it, you look at it. Okay, was it my positioning? Um, was it just a picture that I misread? Um, how do I get better for the next time? So, um, so, so that, that's it. Like you've got to be able to, um, you know, in the moment, just be able to move on so that it doesn't affect and it doesn't snowball. Because, you know, you could do one poor decision at the start and you could have a really good game for the rest of the game. You know, you could do 80 minutes and then no one's talking about that one decision. Um, but if you start off and you have a roll of poor decisions, um, then that's when it can actually, you know, backfire. And I've, I've definitely had games like that. And, and I'm sure I'll have games in the future like that. Um, you never know, but I, I'm definitely better at handling it um, than I probably was before. And I think, you know, referees, even when they know that they've made decisions wrong, you know, they never try and like make up for it. Um, they never try and catch up because when you try and do that, that's when you move away from, okay, what am I, what's going to help me when I'm under pressure, when I'm, having, when I'm going to have to make quick decisions? Well, what's going to help me is actually the philosophies that I've instilled in, in my head over time that I can react to, my instinct. When you try and start, you know, if referees try to start manipulating it, that's when it'll just be too obvious. And, and I think, you know, you, you don't, that's why you don't see referees do that. I think a lot of them just, okay, let's get back on, let's keep going, let's try and reset. So I'll have a, a reset, whether it's a word or an action, you know, just like players do. Um, and then they just move on to the next uh, next decision. Mm. Yeah, weird how, yeah, just like players, you know, you just, you have to just keep going with the game rather than getting bogged down by, potentially you know stuff that if you if you had a moment to take it back you would have bro um and i guess to uh round out my, my my question from within refereeing um the unfortunate side of that in, in in the cases where you potentially have made um an incorrect call or where you've made a correct call 
but ultimately it's decided a game and then you have all the blowback from the fans and media alike um, afterwards. So how do you deal with that, bro? Because, I mean, I see some of the comments that players get, you know, from some of the teams that I follow, people saying, Radi, 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 I should never play again, or Radi, 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 I don't, I don't rate him. And then I've even read stories with referees and players about, you know, the heinous messages that they get after yeah. games. When again, it is really, at the end of the day, it's just a game, bro. But to, to bring this question full circle, bro, how do you deal with that? Are there support systems in place to make sure that you guys are actually looked after? Because yeah, as we've seen, unfortunately, as a result of social media, you guys are contactable. And unfortunately, guys can come up with Sado accounts and feel like they can feel feel like they can say whatever they want to to you. Yeah, man, it's um I think it's the biggest part of the game, which is the most difficult right now. And and it's what you know previous generations of referee and player um didn't have to deal with, you know, like they they could choose whether they wanted to pick up the paper or not. And um, and if they didn't pick up the paper, then you know that's fine, you know, and ignorance is bliss. But yeah, now man, like there's been plenty of headline with you know Ben O'Keefe in it and and it's just an opinion, you know, like it's mm. it could be right, it could be wrong. And, you know, so the first thing you do is you delete Twitter, <laughs> I reckon. Um, I found that, like, that was, I remember when I first started referring Super Rugby, I was like, oh, yeah, pretty cool. I've got Facebook, I've got Instagram, um, Twitter. And then, man, like, you know, you'd, you'd just get hammered on it. And I find, like, you know, I, I think, yeah, players definitely, um, they, they cop it, you know, if they they make a knock on, um, you, know, play, you know, and they get some pretty negative feedback. But I think it's just a bit of, it's become a bit of a habit now that um you know whether it's a coach actually doing a pop in the media um or it's just the you know public actually you know finding the time to actually sit down and um you know make a comment online around you know the referee or or ben o'keefe or you know even just like you know privately contacting and mate to them to for them to privately contact me they've got to like obviously you know face id their phone sit down on their phone and then spell my last name correctly and there's a lot of e's and a lot of f's and a few apostrophes so if you had to do that you know they're, they're actually they're pretty upset about a forward pass on this. So um, it's, uh, yeah, it's the biggest thing. And um, mate, like, how do I deal with it? Like, it's just time, eh? Like, um, obviously, we've got a lot of support. We do have support in New Zealand rugby, world rugby. Um, a lot of the support, I think, just comes from, from family, friends, and, and other colleagues, you know? So I remember having a, a really good laugh um, at the back of a bus after a game I did um, recently with uh, Angus Gardner. You know, it was a, a super game. And I think we're both, we're both copying it. So we just shared you know, what we were being shown um, and what was being said to us and had a bit of a laugh and and you just got to, you know, like um, you just got to look at it for what it is. You know, some people feel the need to actually project their emotions um, to you and, and nowadays they can contact you pretty easily. Um, and if you can get to a point where you can sort of just see it for what it is, then, um, you know, that, that helps. But, it, mate, we're all, we're all just human in the end, eh? And um, no matter how um, used to it you can get, um, there's still a little bit that just nags you, you know, like when someone, you know, you think you've come off and you've had a pretty, pretty good game and you see there's five five messages in your inbox and you have to, you know, go to the requests and you see, you know, what they're saying. It's um, it's pretty tough no matter how thick your skin is. Um, so I, I think uh, I definitely referees at the moment where we're in the spotlight more, where I think easy targets, um, you know, because we can't really, you know, uh, you know, we all our reviews are behind closed doors. So, you know, there's um there's a referee at the end of the year in November who got targeted quite a bit through social media and also um uh, by by a referee up in the northern hemisphere uh, sorry by a coach up in the northern hemisphere and actually the decisions that he made were all pretty accurate so even when you're right you can be you're wrong 
by the uh, I guess public criticism. So yeah, I mean that's just what it is, and um, I, I don't think uh, you know unfortunately it's probably something that's not going to go away. Um, you know we all have social media; it's just our generation. You know it's it's why it, it keeps us connected with friends and family. Um, it keeps us connected on on these sort of podcasts. You know like it's 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 so good. So there's a lot of benefits there, but. Yeah, it's the biggest part. I think that's affecting the game right now, which um, you know, obviously with players, but also, also referees. So, yeah, and you know, we want referees to be able to enjoy the game, and also we we want to we want to get the best referees um, in the game. And I think you know, some people just don't start refereeing because they see the amount of abuse that we get. And I think we then lose you know a lot of um, benefit for the future in terms of the game of rugby. Mm, bro, absolutely. I mean, the way that I look at it. Not that you'd, you'd ever say it to anyone, but it's just more like, can you imagine, you know, just your average Joe blog, you're just working and then someone comes up to you and just abuses you. You know, you're just doing yeah. your job and somebody abuses you. You know, like people would file personal grievances or go to the police about that stuff. But for whatever reason, with certain occupations, they feel like because these guys are on TV and because they are um, involved in something that they feel so passionate about that they feel like they have a right to just, say whatever they want yeah that's no, all good if they're ref so say what you want yeah it's crazy it's yeah, crazy uh, and like, yeah again i don't want to there's been a few imagine. times i've wanted to reply but i've in all my years i've never i've never said anything back but man i've been close to a eh? and uh but yeah it's just best not to get in sort of arguments with those people because um mate at the end of the day you know it's they sort of show who they are when they when they're making comments like that 100 percent um Look at more to a positive side, though, bro. The beauty with refereeing, as you as you alluded to right at the top of the podcast, you're in Suva, um, and you're about to make your way to Argentina. Uh, you know, being a part of the, the, these these spectacles, right? Some of these really special occasions that come with rugby. You know, we touched on the fact that you refereed the Super Rugby final a couple of weeks ago. Um, I've got in my notes here that you're a touch judge at the Rugby World Cup final. Um, you officiated a Lions test in South Africa last year, and you got to referee the All Blacks, you know, as a New Zealand referee, you know, like that doesn't happen. How, yeah, how have you found like being a part of those fixtures? You know, is there one that springs to mind that is 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 really special to you? And yeah, is it, is it something that, I don't know, that you looked forward to when you set out to become a professional referee? Like, did you think like, oh man, like I'm going to get to travel with this, with this occupation? And yeah, how has all that stuff played out? What sorts of experiences have you had, you know, through refereeing? Yeah, look, oh, I'm constantly like week by week, I'm surprised and about the experiences I get on the field, off the field, and in games. Um, you know, I'm I'm so like I'm so lucky to to be able to you know do what I do. Um, and I had no idea I was going to do this. Like, I just started out, um, you know, wanting to run around referee, and you know, then all of a sudden I got to um, go to the West Coast into a Heartland game, and I thought, wow, this is pretty cool. You know, I'm referring. I think it was um, it was Horofino Carpeti versus uh, versus Buller. Um, you know, and then and then, but then you and you get another experience, another experience, and um, you know, like it's it's pretty awesome um, what we get to do. Um, you know, yesterday, um, Tonga versus uh, Fiji with their traditional, um, you know, dances to start the game. You know, like you're standing right there uh, after the game. Um, the local Fijian referees uh, just took us back to um, one of the one of the uh, referees' homes, and we had a, a traditional carver session. You know, which was really tra- like traditional for them. Um, just to welcome us into their home, and and so we had uh, twelve Fijian referees sing for us, and mate, they were just incredible. You know the voices. So there's like, and, and I can name any country I go to, rugby and, and especially refereeing. You know, it's sort of there's a real community there, so you get to experience um, some really amazing, um, amazing things when you go around the world. 
And and certainly, you know, those games like, you know, uh, you, you mentioned the All Black game, the Lions series, um, Super Rugby final, um, World Cup final. I remember walking to get selected to for the selection for the final. And I was like thinking of the people that could be involved. And we had a few people that were, were injured and obviously the English referees couldn't do it. The South African referees couldn't do it. I was like, oh, man, I'm a chance here. You know, like how good, like ARing a, a World Cup final. Um, and then when they said my name, I was just blown away. You know, it just, it was pretty surreal um, getting goosebumps now. And then uh, like before, like 30 seconds before um, the team was meant to go out. So every assistant, each assistant referee. So myself and Roman Poit, um, we picked a team to go and knock on their door. So I um, had South Africa and he had England. So um, we were going to go knock on the doors to, you know, tell the managers they were ready to come out. But obviously being a final, the managers were all over it. So we just had to sort of just, we just stood sort of down the end of the corridor. So I had a bit of a moment to myself thinking like, um, you know, I was in a, like a large room by myself. I could hear the Springboks, um, you know, getting their, you know, getting their team amped up um, in the room next to me. I could hear the crowd in Japan at uh, the, you know, the final stadium, the Yokohama Stadium, just erupting. And I was sort of like by myself for a moment. I was like, man, this is unreal. Like not many people have been able to stand here, do this as, as an assistant referee in a final. Um, so it's moments like that. And I think, you know, probably one of the one of the um, most special games I was involved in was um, at that World Cup with Japan versus Scotland. It's at Yokohama Stadium. I think there's about 70,000 people. It was the host nation. Um, there was a bit of, like, no one knew if the game was going to go ahead because there were typhoons that, that week. There were a few World Cup games that were cancelled. Um, you know, we did this game and, just walked off it and, you know, went really well. And I just thought, wow, this is, you know, it's just such a special um, thing to be a part of, you know, the game of rugby. And, um, you know, like I think any, I could, I could have been told I wasn't, I was, I was finished up then, you know, like, and, and I would have been happy. So every single game that I'm doing now, I'm just super stoked with. And, um, you know, the fact that I can go from doing a super rugby final to being in Suva to um, watching my boys this morning, referee in Argentina, knowing I'm going to join them for the second and third test. Um, is, is pretty exciting as well. So, mate, like with all that pressure and all that negativity uh, that we talked about, um, the positive definitely outweigh all those things in terms of what we get to do and the people we get to meet and those experience. So, yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't change it for the world. And and yeah, pretty lucky. Wow, how good. I guess the follow-up question to this is, you know, like what are sort of some of your goals, long term and short term? And I, and I didn't even think about it, bro. I guess for you. The, the pinnacle for any referee would be to referee a rugby world cup final right but for you that would mean the all blacks are missing out so <laughs> it's a, it's a it's a tough one eh? like um mate honestly as soon as you become a referee and i think for all like my mates and maybe close family me being a referee is probably ruined rugby for them because whenever i watch a game i'm fixed on watching the referee so i'm watching how they move and you know the decisions that that, that they make so I, I, I can't, it's been a long time since I've been able to watch as a spectator. Mm. And I think, you know, when family watch it, they're, they're the same. So, um, like, I don't have a team that I support because obviously I'm refereeing them all. Um, but I've, you know, support the refereeing team. And that's just what happens when I think you referee at this level for so long. Um, and, you know, like, there's no one in teams that, you know, like, I'm a little bit older now. And, you know, I used to have guys I went to school with that um, were in teams. And, you know, that was all good. But, you know, like, guys um, in teams now, are, uh, you know, the young, the fit, the fast. So, you sort of had that um, dissociation, but um, mate, like honestly, in you know, honestly, I'll, for me, like next World Cup, I was in France. I love to be um, having a beer in the stands, watching the All Blacks in the final. You know, like that, for me, I, I think you know, I never really knew that until after I did the last World Cup. You know, I was so happy with um, how I performed 
Um, you know, and I've done a Lions series, I've done a Super Rugby final, you know, I feel like I've achieved a lot in my career, which I can be really grateful for. Um, so, and, and the game's not about me. So like, you know, I do want New Zealand to succeed there because I know how important it is for, for the All Blacks and everyone. And, and you know, mate, sometimes I, I would love to just be in the stand and, and watching it and getting that sort of atmosphere. But yeah, like, you know, there are, there are those goals that, you know, I do, I put so much time into my refereeing and, you know, I do feel like I offer a really good, I guess, product to, to games um, that, it, you know, if they need me for a quarterfinal, if they need me for a semifinal, if they need me for a final, whether I'm refereeing AR, um, I'd love to do that, you know, because for me, it's a new challenge. It's, it's an opportunity to test out all those skills and things that I just talked to you about and, you know, whether they work or not or whether I need to um, get better next time. So um, we'll see. And, you know, hopefully uh, World Cup's next year and then the other one, there's another one after that, which is only four years after and hopefully I won't be too old by then. So we'll just have to see how, how long I can do it. We'll put it this way, bro. Um, I hope for your sake that should the All Blacks not make the final, that you're the man in charge of the game, bro. But I, I think that's pretty much um, a wrap on what I've wanted to um, collect from your experience as a referee and, and as a doctor as well, bro. But before I let you go, and it's something that I ask all of my players as part of the interview with them, what is your game day routine? Yeah, um, so game day routine, like for me, like the way that I prepare during the week is a lot of it is, is front loaded. So I'll do a lot of my prep, prep my physical, uh, my prep for the game, you know, like looking at teams like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, like get that all done. So my game day is pretty, is free. So I, I like to have a one or two notes on a Friday night that I can sort of ne next to the bed. So that when I wake up in the morning, I'm looking at one or two things. Um, so then when I wake up in the morning, I might only have one or two things I look at and then I'm fresh, I'm free, you know, like I don't have all these uh, pictures in my head so I can just go out there and, and referee. And I think that's really important. It was a mindset shift that I did, you know, from a few years ago. So then really it's, um, you know, I would have already had a good meeting with my assistant referees who would have turned up um, the night before or, or maybe the day before. We would have done all that the day before so that they, are, they can wake up with a fresh mind as well. And then, then, mate, it's all about, we do an activation. So we'll go to the gym, I think, much like the players do. Um, get one of those long rubber bands and a bit of a stretch, um, you know, light weights, you know, just to get things working, really just for injury prevention. Um, and depending on the game, you know, obviously um, fuel up, so breakfast, lunch. Um, but depending on the game, whether the game's, um, you know, 7 p.m. might be 9 p.m. in France, um, I love a game day nap. I love a game day nap, you know, like have a, have a two o'clock, lights out be a bit of drool on the pillow I know it's been a good one um, then I'll wake up an hour and a half later and then I'm, I'm good to go um, make sure the boots are clean bags packed head on down to the ground about an hour and a half two hours before the game chuck some good music on and then um, just get into the zone um, to get into it so my game days are pretty enjoyable and I try and make it enjoyable and not try and make it free by doing all the work during the week because um, I know that if I can do that that's um, that's how I referee well how good bro how good man that brings this podcast to a wrap. I just want to say thank you very much again for, for making some time out for me, you know, in between all the stuff you've got going on with international refereeing at the moment, keep up the awesome refereeing. Um, not that you need my vote of confidence, but yeah, I, I feel like you are one of the better referees going around, especially in Australasia and safe travels uh, when you make your way over to Argentina. Thanks bro. Cheers. Appreciate um Yeah. Have a yarn with you and um, you're always good to chat code and um, yeah, I guess put, perspective of the referees out there which is um pretty cool no doubt bro legend i'll catch you up he's right thanks